every time I hear this song, I keep thinking about Shane singing it with the lyrics all fucked up. And it is hysterical. <laughs> uh, hello, everybody. I'm Rob, and welcome to the House of X Book Club. Uh, I have with me three of, well, excuse me, there's a total of four of us here. We're missing one. And uh, we will never be the same without him. So uh, I want to welcome tonight, Drew. Hey there, buddy. You know, I have to say that, you know, dancing to that theme song is probably the most cardio I get all week. Yeah. <laughs> you work hard at it, too, man. I'm watching you. You you, you get down. <laughs> so also with us is Shane is busy herding cats. Hey. Yes, indeed. Not only that, but I just wanted to say that I've let myself deteriorate to the point where REM can be considered cardiovascular activity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, and of course, we have Rowan. Hello. Tonight, right now, we're going to be talking about some comic books. Tonight, we're going to be covering X-Men number 36 and X-Men 37. And they are a couple of su super ridiculous comic books. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I honestly don't know. There, there's a lot of emotions, a lot of things happening here. Um, when I read these, I, I was excited. I was happy. I was elated. I got sad. I got depressed. I, I was angry. Um, <laughs> Were you gassy? Was there a I, gas? Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, outed. Um, so Ro Rowan's just like the answer to that is always. <laughs> oh, that's not true. That's he ate, so ate a true. lot of chili, and it was just Most nights always, out. maybe. <laughs> but, but you know, there's some like comedic stuff in here. I thought they were kind of fun. I thought. I don't know. We'll talk about it. I just don't know how to. I still don't know how to feel about it. I, I agree with that. I don't really know how to feel about them either. Yeah. Well, uh, so during your interview, Drew, you guys were talking about character development. Mm -hmm. And you said something about being excited that, you know, you're going to get to see these characters develop. Yes. Um, and I am excited for the same thing because right now character development is happening but we're still developing in the 60s, you guys. We need. <laughs> yeah, the, the character development this... seems accidental. Yeah. yeah. Yes, accidental. Um, I mean, the biggest element for character development in this book is Ted Roberts. And God I think it has soul. done it has done the, the, the team wonders. I never want him to leave. I want him to be around like I think Inferno would have been different if Ted Roberts were around, you know, <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, there there wouldn't be an X Factor because the X-Men would still be the original team plus Ted Roberts. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Dark Phoenix Saga, totally different. It, it would have worked out totally different if Ted had stuck around. So uh, the first book that we're covering is X-Men number 36. It was released July 11th, 1967. Uh, the cover lies and tell you it's September of 67. The writer was Roy Thomas, penciler Ross Andrew. The inker was George Bell, the letterer Sam Rosen. Um, color is still not getting no love. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no love on the color. So last, ep I think it was last episode, maybe 
uh, or that in the episode before, I think Jerry Feldman was the the letterer, and I for some reason could not remember the name Joe Tartaglioni. <laughs> Joe Rosen. Um, Joe Rosen, yes. <laughs> yeah, who was the other letterer. But, you know, uh, Jerry Feldman came in and did some lettering, and I keep looking, and I still don't know the difference when I'm looking at these uh, letterers. Yeah, but, to, it, it, if I didn't know that it was done by hand, I'd assume it was just like a program that, you know, it's just typefaced. It's Because yeah. it's it's all consistent, which is great for, you know, oh, quality yeah. control. Yeah. But and that speaks to you know the letterers, but I can't tell the difference either. Now I guess at one point letterers were doing logos, you know, so like the big letters that are on the cover and stuff like that, and those of course change throughout the years, which is cool. Sam Rosen's lettering this one, edited of course by like, Stan I, Lee. I feel like yeah. Sam Rosen's um, O's are just a little bit rounder than everybody else's. Is that right? Are you serious? No, I'm dude, totally fucking with you, dude. That, I'm like, oh, I, I got up close to it and looked at him. Like, yeah. I gotta check this out. <laughs> oh man, you know, great. somewhere in comic book heaven, Sam is going that fucking shit, and he's hilarious. I love this guy. Um, <laughs> Everyone so, else thinks I'm a dick right now. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so the title of this particular issue. And it's debatable. There's been argument already. Is Meccano lives? Uh, you know, I say Meccano, you say Meccano, potato, potato, whatever. Um, the story, basically, the X. <laughs> I I consider this like the 1967 equivalent of a 1980s team, a teenage uh, farce comedy. You know. Um, so the X-Men try to raise the money to get a pl to get plane fare to go to Europe to save Xavier because Xavier has been kidnapped and they don't have access to money. And the X-Jet and X-Helicopter and X-Wheelchair with tank treads and all the other kind of crazy vehicles that they have are out of gas. So, so they need to actually buy plane tickets. Um, of course, Factor 3 has Xavier. So Angel, Cyclops, Marvel Girl, they all get jobs. This is the weird teen comedy from the 80s. You know, this would have made a great John Hughes movie. Yes, totally. <laughs> well, I was I was thinking, I even said to Rowan, I'm like, well, if they had turned the X Mansion into a brothel, Iceman could have danced around in his underwear with sunglasses and they could have made some damn cash. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I was thinking the same thing as like they went to Central Park. I mean, there had to be a bush where someone could go behind to give an afternoon handy like 20 bucks real <laughs> oh my quick. God, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that took it a little far, Shane. <laughs> so, I like I like to look at the line, but I like to look don't at even, it from both they, sides. They don't even have to go that. They, they don't even have to go that far. Jean can just make Ted Roberts give her some money for favors. Promise of a future teacher. Oh. You know his family. Oh, no. His his family's rich. He he yeah. would have been happy to to give Jean some cash. I just don't believe that Warren didn't have like his parents went on a trip and he yeah. was like well my pockets are empty yeah he called, he called his, he called his family home and the butler picked up and the butler's like dude your family's on vacation he's like oh yeah i forgot bye <laughs> yeah uh you know warren at this time is at least 18 right he's got money of his he's... own he's got access to cash he just do, we ever, access to... do we ever find out what his parents do because i know in the movies he was like the ceo of a corporation his dad was yeah, i but... don't know i mean they're they're i don't know honestly. maybe it's old money 
Yeah. I'd be willing to bet it has something to do with nuclear power. <laughs> He's actually a <laughs> at least, at least in Warren's brain. Yeah. <laughs> so the X-Men, yeah, the X-Men have to get jobs to make some money to take this plane. Now, I don't know about you, but when people get jobs, you tend to have to work at least for two weeks before you get paid. Um, but comic books. Yeah. Magnetism. That's right. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Why didn't they just rob a bank? <laughs> <laughs> because they're not criminals, Drew. Well, put on different costumes and no one would know. <laughs> and then Professor Xavier could pay him back when he gets back. Right. Because, I mean, that's how they do it. Right. So they go along with the criminals. We'll explain later. Yeah. And wh where is all the money <laughs> that they stole from the U.S. government a couple issues back? Yeah. Go through that so quickly sometimes, especially when you're a teenager. That, that's where the Rolls um, Royce came from. Yeah. So Angel, Cyclops, Marvel Girl, they get jobs at a construction site. Or at least they they're applying to. They apply. And the guy's like, wow, you guys are hired. Let me see your union card. Uh, we don't have a union card. Sorry, I can't help you. Out you go. <laughs> um, and while they're doing that, their car gets towed. So not only do they not get a job, but now they don't have a car. Oh, they go to and... a where, where welfare office first. That confused me. That's something I didn't know yeah. was a thing. What... So a they do, office? however. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they go well, to the welfare to office. Get, to get, just, to get a loan. You could just get money from them? Like yeah. that, they, yeah, they went to a welfare office to get a loan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, they, that made no sense. They wouldn't give yeah. them the loan because they pulled up to the place in a Rolls Royce. <laughs> uh, well, it just also, goes to it was because they were under 18. Yeah, it goes to show that that half doesn't know how the rest of the half, how the rest of the world lives, how they really live. Well, but I mean, and, and to that point, it it happened earlier in it earlier in this book and in issue thirty five as well. I didn't mention it last time because I thought maybe they would not go over it again, but they they mentioned it and it drove me nuts. So they oh the um the Factor Three's headquarters is in the Swiss Alps. We've located their base, motherfucker. No, you haven't. Yes. No, you haven't. Do you realize that the Swiss Alps take up 60% of the landmass in Switzerland? It is over 10,000 miles. I'm fairly certain that Stan thought it was two or three mountains. Actually, right. if I remember correctly, they didn't even say the Swiss Alps. They just said the Alps. They, the Alps. They, uh, they narrowed it down. This, this I had issues with this, too. They, they narrowed it down to mountains in Central Europe and kind yeah. of assumed it was the Swiss Alps. But then I, I think it's in issue 37. It might be in 36. They say that Cerebro has pinpointed the exact location in Europe of, you know, the base. But they can't mm. pinpoint Eunice, the untouchable, earlier? <laughs> like, what? The, the Cerebro is an is ever-changing entity. It continues to grow. Um, <laughs> and shrink. And shrink. <laughs> so, and occasionally so of course, see the X-Men as the bad guys. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So the X-Men, of course, need a ride because now they don't have a car. And they meet a guy named Tom Regal. He says he'll give them a lift. He's a little bit of a... I mean, he's cool because he gives them a ride, but he seems like he's got a chip on his shoulder. Meanwhile, Bobby and the Beast are, I don't know, doing a circus act or something in the in the, in the the park. And they're hoping to get handouts. Um, you do what you gotta, you know? Uh, hoping to get anyhow. tips for their performance, not handouts. Come on. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, okay, sorry. I don't know. 
to me, it seems like it's kind of the same thing. But, you know, uh, <laughs> they while this is happening, they discover Meccano, who's trying to destroy the Memorial Library. And he names them as his accomplices. Uh, this is the second time it's happened. And, man, it sucks when it does. Because now everybody sees the X-Men as a bad guy. Well, they end up fighting Meccano. And he nearly beats him, of course. Not quite sure what his deal is. I guess he's faster and stronger because he has a mechanical suit. It's just a guy in, like, hydraulic suit, right? He seemed to me like a a proto-Batrock the Leaper. Yeah, okay. Okay, and speaking of that, this was his first appearance, right? Yep. Okay, so my question around that is, is that if this was his first appearance, that means the artist had a say in his costume right probably yeah yeah probably. so why the Most fuck can't he draw his helmet <laughs> <laughs> you designed the suit motherfucker you can't make the thing look the same in two panels well yeah you know ross andrew i don't i don't know how many issues he draws after this but <laughs> he at least has the next one um <laughs> i feel bad for Iceman. he got chain he got handcuffed to the guardrail both arms and it just it does not look nearly as much fun as a headboard yeah i started to say don't feel bad for him he's probably into it i mean come on <laughs> so so they of course fight Meccano. he nearly beats him but then marvel girl steps up and saves the day okay jean gray is awesome dude she's got some great powers i think she needs to be the leader of the team um she can't she's a woman yeah, of course. So she, <laughs> yeah. so she that was sarcasm, McCann. people, just to be clear. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. I'm absolutely cutting out where Drew said that was sarcasm. <laughs> big, big surprise here, but turns out the Meccano is Tom Riegel. And he was angry because his dad was too busy building the, library, the Memorial Library to pay attention to him. Uh, of course, Mr. Regal shows up and apologizes to, to his son for being a bad dad. And then he offers the X-Men a, a reward, which is enough to get plane tickets to Europe. What a fucking crazy filler issue this was. Oh, my God. Yeah. There was <laughs> and then so there was, weird... We didn't even go over the whole like burglary attempt at the very beginning of the book. That is something I definitely want to talk about. Go ahead, Drew. Let's talk about like, it. So the first, what, two, three pages is just it, uh, all of the X-Men minus uh, Beast are down, you know, fixing Cerebro or something. And and Beast is just up in the mansion thwarting a burglary attempt that mm -hmm. turns out to be completely irrelevant to anything that happens later. Made It made no sense. It was absolutely pointless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so for this issue, my crimes of Xavier is that Xavier has passed on his criminal ways to his costumed minions because what they do when they catch those guys is basically mind wipe. They mind him. how did they mind wipe him? <laughs> they hooked him up to some thing. Yeah, the flashy thing. They flashy thing them. Gene, yeah, Gene wiped his memory somehow, which would yeah. make sense if she was, you know, a telepath at this point, but she's not. Well, but they did hook him up to something, and then she used yeah. her she used her telekinesis to go inside their brain and shake it like an etch a sketch. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, then they well. went to the police and confessed their crimes. All of their crimes, not even this one. Right, right. It's yeah. like that like scene in, scene in the Goonies in grade. when right. they were going to put Chunk's hand in the blender. 
so so yeah i think that actually that was like it, it almost felt like we've got four pages and don't know what to do with it uh let's do this whole scene or two pages let's do this whole scene where there's you know guys robbing the the x-mansion um and by the way those two guys couple of knuckleheads almost beat the hell out of beast well how that's because that? they wouldn't go check on beast when he didn't come back but how is that even possible beast should be able to take these two two meatheads alone i mean you know but yeah they catch him unaware you know he's not quick enough or agile enough to dodge out of the way he gets hit by this guy i mean i don't know they had uh, to fill four pages. I That's had a right. really hard time with that one when, when I was reading that this issue. I had a really hard time with that whole burglary attempt until I realized that the whole issue was a filler issue. I was like, why is there this random filler thing happening at the beginning of the book? But then I'm like, oh, the whole issue is like that. Okay. It, yeah. I, I, I kind of forgave it after that. Yeah. I mean, the ending even had it was kind of a cheesy ending where everybody's smiling and it's like, oh, gee, dad, thank you. The dad's like, I'm sorry for being a bad father, son. From now on, it's you and me, boy. Thanks, dad. You know, yeah. (laughs) And the X-Men are all smiling at each other. Isn't it nice? Gee, isn't it swell? Yeah. Uh, No, it's crazy. There's probably like (laughs) the the whole crowd that's watching just gets a slow clap started. (laughs) I bet that this issue, though, would have been was probably Quentin Tarantino's favorite issue of the X-Men because there are (laughs) so many pictures of the beast's naked feet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And plus, it's like, no, man, Meccano, man, they just they never used him right, man. And this issue was just like the perfect thing and a one shot and done, man. (laughs) Yeah. Does he does Meccano show up again at all? I hope not. (laughs) <laughs> honestly i i this is the only time i know of him being around um i'm gonna google it really quick yeah i do so so the art uh one thing i noticed that is in the art in this issue it's uh rougher than last issue obviously werner roth and dan adkins i think they made a pretty good team as far as an art duo um but ross andrew and george bell this feels like I don't know. It, it, to me, it feels a little bit like Gene Colan, a little bit like Klaus Janssen, um, but not as good as either of those guys. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the, the the thing has to do with, like, the way that they use shading and, you know, um, I think I think Gene and Klaus are a couple of classic, like, just, you know, great classic artists who have done, done so many amazing things. And, and and the the team of Ross Andrew and George Bell to me is is not, you know, it feels like they want to be those guys and they're just not. Also, one of the things that I I noticed was at the end is the changeling. I think I like this guy. I don't know. The hype behind him has always been huge because of uh, a huge a giant like event that takes place, and I won't tell you what it is. We'll. I don't. I really don't want to give spoilers, even though this book's been out for you know sixty years. Um, <laughs> but I have been wanting to read stuff with the changeling in it for so long. Uh, I will say one thing. I think, and they may have retconned it, but the changeling is basically, um, you know, in the car in the cartoon, the '90s cartoon, it was Morph, and Morph is the 
Age of Apocalypse version of the Changeling, if I remember correctly, or at least that's how it was. That sounds right. I don't, but it's been a while since I've read those books because it's so much. I think they've actually retconned that a bit, but that's how it started out. So I was really stoked to see, you know, to see uh, the Changeling at the very end. I have a, uh, to to follow up on my Google, um, on Marvel database, marvel.fandom.com, it says that there's two appearances of Tom Regal. One okay. this issue, number 36. Mm-hmm. The second is the previous issue, number 35. What? <laughs> but then I went to another website, and this this is his only appearance. At least Tom Regal is Meccano. I can't find anything else for any other character named Meccano, so I'm assuming this is his only his only appearance. Wow. Okay. What else do we have to say about this issue? I mean, it was a quick, it was a quick issue. It was silly, slapsticky. It should uh, have been a quick issue. Yeah. Yes. It took it, you guys it, a while to read yeah. through. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was um. Once I got over the fact that it was going to be a filler issue, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Like yeah. it wasn't it wasn't good by any means, but it was a, a fun little romp. Well, when I talked about the emotions being all over the place, I I was at at some point I was just flabbergasted that they were even going to do this whole like robbing the, the mansion, mind wiping these guys, and, and now we need money for plane tickets. Let's get jobs, you know. It- <laughs> Yeah, they keep saying how Professor X is the greatest mind on the planet. He didn't see any contingencies where these kids might need money for bagel bites. No, (laughs) right? I I kept saying like when they went to the construction site and stuff, and I'm like, they're in costume. How are they going to cash those checks? Doesn't Spider Man (laughs) have an issue where that happens to him? Yeah, yeah. You just make the check out to, to Marvel Girl. And, uh, you know, then she whips out her Marvel Girl ID badge. And they're like, oh, wait, no, we know you. You're a Marvel Girl. The truth is, is Marvel Girl is probably still a fugitive from the law (laughs) because they, you know, they stole a bunch of money from the government. But uh, and then again, where is that money? Come on. I'm still put off by the fact that they mind wiped those guys. And uh, holy Hannah, boy, does Cyclops say that a lot. Holy Hannah, it was in multiple issues that we read. I want to see what Holy Hannah really looks like. Like, you know. I I did like the artwork of Meccano. I liked his costume. Oh, sure. I, <laughs> I know that might be controversial. It it very it's like a, a cross between like Captain America and Deathstroke and I don't know, it's like it was just random random characters. I enjoyed it. Random characters is for sure. Um, yeah, like Wonder Woman. And, um... Oh, the Guardian was what I thought of when I saw this. It's like, oh, like the, the Guardian yeah. had a, a child with Deathstroke, and it was Meccano because and he then, was trained by Batroc. Yeah. And Meccano, <laughs> Meccano borrowed his helmet. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, oh, hey, excuse me, guys. Uh, someone's at the door. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Come hey, in. look, everybody. Roger's here. What? What? Hey. We <laughs> Hey there. Oh boy. We we thought for sure you'd fallen into the ocean, man. How are you? I'm doing okay. Sorry I'm late for, you know, showing up to the party like this, but hey. That's okay. So, give me some uh give me some of your thoughts on, on Meccano lives. Uh, you know, I kind of second everything that I'm just hearing you guys say that it's really kind of a goofy 
a goofy issue that really was just kind of a filler. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, and I, you know, there are some, I guess, realistic aspects in the fact that they're having to face the real world and deal with paying for things. But at the same time, I mean, come on, if professor X has all this money for multiple aircraft and all this other crap, he can't like get dole out five bucks a week to these guys or something. I mean, seriously. It also kind of like brings yeah. to the light of the whole issue was that the X plane was out of fuel. Well, <laughs> yeah. where do they get the fuel for it? Because they don't just, drive it to the yeah. airport and fill it up with aviation fuel in costume. Yeah. It, 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 do they not have gas cans in the garage? I, I mean, they that, had 50... I bet you that Xavier has a, a, a gimpy, uh, excuse me. I use that word a little freely, but that he's got some other mutant chained up in, in the dungeon whose mutant power is to spew forth plane jet fuel. Oh, um, oh well, I yeah. thought you, I thought you meant Gimpy like from Pulp Fiction with the leather mask and the Well, ball that's gag. actually that's exactly <laughs> what I meant. Um, <laughs> that's I exactly, have to say we one thing we right. did miss was that as this this was the first appearance of my Meccano, but as Meccano, this was also the first appearance of a Trump supporter because he hates books and words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Death to libraries. Yeah, what My does he say? He says didn't... he says Shakespeare, Zola, Hemingway, all the underrated pencil pushers of days past. Down with all of them and up with Meccano. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I ain't got logical. no time for no words. They're, <laughs> they're harvesting endochrome in the basement. All because my daddy didn't love me. Um my daddy anyway. loves Ernest Hemingway more than me. Uh yeah, <laughs> I've got to I've got to ask a couple things. Did you guys talk about the fact that Sykes I beams were used to lower a heavy machine? We haven't we gotten not. there yet. Oh. That was I was what the fuck is going on? And <laughs> he held it like there was a point where he yeah. held it and was like, I guess I could put it down now. Wait, what? So what he's doing is he's taking Jean he's... Grey's power away from her and using it. Yeah, for himself. he's he. Yeah. Wow. So I'm so Confusing. sorry. Roy Thomas, you hate Jean Grey, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> don't you? <laughs> He's afraid of the girls. Yeah. Wow. That's well, comic book nerds. What do they know? Right. Uh, come on. Well, what did it, you know? It, but that brings up something Were these guys just a bunch of nerds living in their mom's basements or were these guys out the real thomas world was a as teacher, actual writers yeah roy thomas was a teacher an english teacher i think uh, uh he was a teacher before comics so then is it just that he's incapable of understanding honestly, like in normal things or is he writing opinion, down my opinion about that raj is that he really wanted to make stanley proud and he really wanted to kind of follow stan's <laughs> vision um, okay. and, and you're laughing, but I mean, this is, this I am. is how I see it. This is really the way it looks is that he wanted to write like Stanley as much as he could. He wanted the X-Men to be what Stanley wanted it to be. And well, is, is it that, or is he getting pressured to do that? I, well, I will no. I, every interview that I've heard from him, everything I've read from him, he is a Stan fan to the end. I mean, he okay. really, wow. really is. Yeah. I imagine in this part of the story, it might have had something to do with the fact that Cyclops is the leader 
And there might have been something about making the characters do the actions they were doing. And Cyclops is the leader. And so making him more active. Yeah. Maybe. And kind of being at a loss. <laughs> it's it's like, still, oh, make his eye beam do this. You know. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it just didn't explain that at all. Like all of a sudden it has the ability to lift weight. Right. Right. But a, you know, in a, it's a play devil's advocate in a way that kind of goes back to it being a force beam. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen in, in previous issues where it's really just kind of like kinetic energy rather than, you know, like a laser beam sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's very, yeah, you're right. It is very unclear because like, I, I, I always like to kind of compare it in my mind with like Superman's heat vision, mm-hmm. but, Me too. but the, the comic books, the, the Superman comic books make it very clear that it's, it's not a laser beam. It is heat. It is heat vision. Yeah. It's only yeah. drawn the way it's drawn you know so we can see it so you can see it exactly yeah so but there's never any sort of you know instruction as to how we the audience should view cyclops's powers the other Uh, thing that i noticed in this book and it really kind of bothered me was so um meccano or meccano 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 um he handles the x-men with ease in yep. a suit that he has never fucking worn. Well, that and that goes back to the guys that that were burglarizing the the mansion. Yeah, these two thugs bust in and beat the hell out of the beast. Um, you know, everything. The X Men apparently were like, "Quick, uh, Xavier's in a coma. Break out the quaaludes and the whiskey. We're gonna have a good time." And that's why everyone's beat up. beating the shit out of them. Yeah, they get beat up. They can't get a job. They lose the car. The dog died. Their wife left them. And I all mean, of it's a like sudden, a country this, song. This I, is not surprising. <laughs> so much of their reinforcement is is Xavier. Their brain, their brain, their brains are regenerating cells because they haven't been flashy thinged for two days. Oh, I <laughs> do yeah. think that this this issue shows us who the real strength of the team is, and that's Jean Grey. Yeah, because they couldn't stop him, and she just uses her telekinesis to put him in a bubble and hold him off the ground. You know, there you go. That's all you had to do. I can't wait until they start actually utilizing her character as like a full fledged member of the team and not just yeah. you know, the the cheerleader. But I, I think that you. they are slowly but surely they slowly, are doing 100%. little things like this that are that, showing her potential. Yeah. That'll happen about the Dark Phoenix saga. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, cuz eventually yeah, eventually she becomes like one of the top tier like she's a storm level mutant now. Whenever they need to threaten somebody, they send Jean Grey and she's like if if I see you again I'm going to mentally rip your sack off. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's wow. when did the whole concept of like different level of power for mutants like the omega level come into it's, play? It's very recent. Um, yeah. In fact, I heard. Oh God, I can't like within the, the last five years was when they actually there was Hick- an actual list. I want to say it was Hickman who, who yeah. brought that around because Hickman um, loves lists. Yeah. <laughs> lists and maps. Lists and maps. I All of my them. books have lists yeah. and maps. I love lists and I love maps. So Dan Hickman well, is my guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. East East of West. There was a special double-sized issue of East of West that was nothing but lists and maps. Ah, oh, that does it for me. <laughs> so so I, I think that Drew's going to love Hickman's X-Men. Yeah, Unfortunately, it doesn't happen for another 40 years. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so it'll be a while. <laughs> so 
Settle in, Drew. It's gonna be a ride. Yeah. No book is no book is actually a book unless it has a map. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> I I am gonna. And yet you oh. don't like Tolkien. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he loves the map. That's I, I do. I do love the Middle Earth map. Well, that that map is pretty awesome. That's why. My yeah. my mouse pad is like a foot and a half long and about eight inches wide, and it is the map of Middle Earth. Nice. <laughs> oh, my, oh my, dude. Mine is the map of the Avatar The Last Airbender world. Nice. That's really cool, man. That is. Yeah. Mine mine is the map of where my mouse goes. <laughs> 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 All right. So any last words on this issue? Issue 36 Meccano or Meccano or Potato or Potato lives. Once I got over the fact that it was filler and I just strapped in to enjoy myself, it mm -hmm. was very enjoyable. Yeah. But until that point, it was rather bullshit. Yeah, I felt <laughs> the same way. I cussed. I swore. I held up my fist. I laughed. I cried. I wanted it to end. Just ten dollars goodbye this month. Um, I don't. I don't mind issues like this once in a while. I just want them better written. I just yeah. need to be prepared for them. Yeah, yeah. And I don't mm. want the lame Scooby Doo ending. It was, <laughs> it was just an odd, like it was, like we said, it, in the middle of an arc, is an odd spot for a filler issue, and we've talked about that before. Oh yeah. And it's so odd that we've had so many filler issues in such a short period of time. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, Shane, I'm pretty sure it was you last um, last episode who said that it felt like they just did not know where to go with the story for two issues. Mm -hmm. So they like the Spider-Man issue kind of was irrelevant. And this mm -hmm. issue very much so was irrelevant to the actual storyline, but they were just mm -hmm. buying themselves time to figure out how to actually, you know, go and, you know, what to do with the factor three storyline, the writers themselves. I wonder if this was like the spot spot where one of the spots where the book was going to be canceled. Cause they thought, Oh, 35 was going to be the last issue. And they're like, oh, we need to do a 36. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would have well, been a great way to end it, though, with P Professor Xavier just as all of a sudden kidnapped and the, the series ends. Yeah, in a coma yeah, and goes, kidnapped. What happens? It goes on for another 30 issues. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that was issue 36. Uh, next up, and Roger's here for the whole shebang, we're going to talk about X-Men number 37. The release date was August 8th, 1967. The cover date, October of 67. Roy Thomas writing. Ross Andrew doing the pencils. Uh, Don Heck. Don Heck doing the inks, um, which is better than, you know, I actually like Don Heck's art, uh, his later stuff, mostly his pencils. Um, but I think the art's a little bit better than, say, you know, the stuff that Ross did with, with George Bell. Lettering, uh, Artie Simic, editing Stan Lee, and the title is We the Jury. So the summary here is that the X-Men go to Europe, wherever the hell that is, to rescue the professor. Uh, so by this time, the writer's, the writer's like, okay, I've wasted four issues to, to figure out what the hell I want to do with this whole Factor 3 thing. The X-Men get caught by Factor 3, and tried by a jury of their greatest foes. But that's the summary. I want to say something here. This issue points out what we have already known, and that is the X-Men's greatest threat, their, their biggest enemy, the one foe they cannot beat is a glass bubble. 
<laughs> Am I wrong? I mean, they get put in a glass dome again. Yep. You know? Come on. They can fight Magneto. They can fight Eunice the Untouchable. You put them in a glass dome, and they do not know what the hell to do. <laughs> well, I, you know, Factor 3 has been watching them this whole time, which they kind of hint at. Yeah. Maybe they realize that that's oh, yeah. what the Sentinels did to them, and that's so they just replicated that. The Sentinels and what's that? That other guy, uh, Nefaria. Uh, yeah. yeah, glass bubble. That's Did that's Magneto what we need. do it to them at once as well. Oh, every, yeah, everybody. But it was so. a, it was a, a glass square, but same yeah. thing. Everybody's yeah. putting in a bone. Yeah. And they couldn't they couldn't dig a hole because yeah. that is that is their I guess their second greatest nemesis is a pit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Glass bubble in a pit. But if you could get a the... glass bubble in a pit. You would kill the oh. X-Men. In the El Tigre Dead. book, though, they got themselves out of a pit. Cyclops uses I-beams to like kind of bore a yep. hole upwards out of it. So like y- use your imagination, people. Come this, on. This is why this is why Factor Three didn't put them in a pit, because they had read that issue. Um, <laughs> so so I want to say something here. You guys might have caught this, but I kind of feel like this is the first time that the X-Men themselves are referred to as the uncanny X-Men. Now I've heard the I've read the juggernaut be called uncanny. Uh I think even Eunice the Untouchable was uncanny. But, but I think this is really the first time that the X-Men get called uncanny X-Men. You might be right. I don't recall seeing it before. I don't um, recall seeing it in this issue. I, I, <laughs> well, <laughs> so I, of course, I came into comics. I came, you know, I, I was reading comics already, but when I really got into them was through the Uncanny X Men um, during Chris Claremont and Mark Silvestri's run. And so Uncanny X Men was a title that will forever be one of the biggest titles in my head. So when they're called Uncanny X-Men, I'm like, ooh, ooh, you know, here it is. Um, so let's talk about the the people who are trying them. Um, you want to talk about that falling from the airplane bit? Okay. Oh, my God, oh, please. Let's Lord. talk about that first. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about them falling from the airplane. Right? That was ridiculous. <laughs> what, what was going on? Angel was changing clothes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, factor factor three sends a flying saucer after the airplane that they're in, and the flying saucer starts to tr- it tries to shoot the plane down, but the the plane magically because it, it it nobody the gene didn't do this nobody did this it it hit like an air pocket and like sunk in the in the air below the missile. And they just decide, oh, shit, it's after us. We better jump out of this plane. And so they jump out of the plane and are free-falling somewhere over Europe. Okay, now hold it right there. Let's pause for a second. With no regard to anybody else on the plane, they open up the door, depressurize the cabin, and dive out. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Assuming that none of the hundreds of people on the plane know who they are it's just five dickheads (laughs) (laughs) on a suicide mission one of them made a comment about how no one was going to miss a group of teenagers yeah right and if if my memory serves me and i'm looking for it right now but can't find it they don't just open the door they rip it off its hinges so the door can't be closed again so the guy that says nobody's going to miss a bunch of teenagers says that until he gets sucked out of the plane um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let's just assume that no one 
gets sucked out of the plane. So okay. now they're all looking out the windows at these five people that were just on the plane using powers that are similar to those of the X-Men. And then what Warren a making a costume change in the middle of of middle space. Getting mm-hmm. an assist with a costume change, no less. Yes, oh, indeed. yeah. Who, who is it that rips his shirt off? Cyclops. Oh, yeah. Cyclops. yeah. Like he's done that so many times Tonight before. Is right for love. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of, and it's kind of an interesting sequence, too, because Cyclops, I think, is going to head. He's like falling towards towards a, a pinnacle and is going to get creamed by this mountain. Um, and then somebody has to like reach around him and tell him, open your eyes, you know, and it's. It's kind of a comedy of errors in a way. Oh, he loses his glasses and he has to keep his eyes closed or he's going to blow everything. It's interesting because they all would have fallen to their deaths. Oh, no, they wouldn't yeah. have because Iceman made an ice slide that's <laughs> not supported by anything. So it's also falling <laughs> from 5,000 feet or however high up they are. Well, let's ben, talk then, for a second about the fact that Cyclops was surprised that the velocity of the fall knocked his glasses off. I know <laughs> it's a pair of glasses and you're being sucked out of an airplane, you know, out of an airplane and falling to your death. Doesn't your that glasses. guy wear anything to keep him on? I mean, you know what? his shoes probably came off too. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised he had his pants by the time he landed. I would. Yeah. I was going to say, well, I would have ditched my pants because about halfway through the fall, I probably would have crapped them. <laughs> yeah. I don't want yeah. these anymore. Yeah. Well, I I didn't have such an issue with Bobby and his ice slide, considering that the original plan was for Warren to catch them all, catch all five of them, and fly them all down to safety. Yeah, Warren's not that strong; he can't do nope. that. He's even lighter than everybody because he has yeah. hollow bones. <laughs> so, uh, well, that yeah. Uh, um, all I all I now all I can think about is the ice slide. Crashing to the ground and wiping out because it's falling from a pretty good height. It's yeah. crashing to the ground and wiping out whatever city is in its way. <laughs> you know, maybe it's just a random place in the Alps or somewhere in Europe. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Is is they just happened when they fell out of the sky and got to the ground. They just happened to be within walking distance of Factor Three's base. Yeah, lucky, lucky, <laughs> lucky them. And and they probably knew this because where did this this flying saucer come from, right? Obviously, they had to be near Factor Three. Um, so Why yeah, does, let's uh, let's can can I I just want to ask one more question because we're still at the the ice slide and Bobby just stops making it to conserve his strength. Yeah. When did they all become nap? Uh, <laughs> you know, not, what am I trying to say? Why, when did they all become like so prone to sleepiness? Very At the very beginning. At the very beginning. Gene used to do it. Scott would do it. He'd be like, oh, my eye beams run out. I can't do it anymore. They did has, yeah. yeah. But it, yeah. But it only pops it up always... for everyone as a matter of convenience, though. It's yeah, not well, consistent. That's, mm-hmm. that's the part, part of the joy of being a comic book writer. You know, you, <laughs> you're like, I got to put them. I got to do something with this. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna make it so that that they can't use the power now, uh, you know. Or Jean has used her telekinesis so much she needs to take a nap, um, you know. Or Scott or has shot pie. so many icebergs that he can't move, he can't walk. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you know who could help us right now? The Human Torch. He remembers us. Oh shit! No, he doesn't. God. 
Okay. You know, and there was a there was a note in here that bothered the shit out of me too. So yeah. on page six, uh, bottom middle panel, uh, we need to stress at this point that the human mind is capable of thinking at amazing speed. So that all the preceding events have occurred within a few seconds of each other. Stan, of course. The problem with that is, is yes, the human mind can work at amazing speeds. The words are going to come out of your mouth at the same fucking speed, no matter how <laughs> fast your brain is working. So, they, yes, they can think of all kinds of different options. Like they probably had 4,700 different ways that they were going to die before they hit the ground. However, they would probably only get one or two out of their mouth because the mouth can only move at the one speed. And the ground is coming pretty quick. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Wow. So, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about when they get captured, okay? Um, they they kind of wake up in this dome, and who is there but their their greatest foes, okay? Uh, mastermind. I like, I like seeing the Mastermind. I think that he is one of the most evil villains in the Marvel Universe. Um, in this issue, he looks a little less skeezy than he normally does. Must have brushed his hair. And... Uh, He's on the he's on the nicotine patch right now, so he doesn't yeah. look doesn't look like a pack of Camel non filters. Yeah, but when they <laughs> the first panel they show that what isn't it the Vanisher they show first, yeah. and it looks silly as hell. So when when we're looking at this book and we turn to the Vanisher, Rowan just starts giggling like she starts <laughs> laughing uncontrollably. <laughs> I see the blob, Mastermind Eunice, and Grandmother's end table. <laughs> yeah, it's a doily man. Yeah, doily, yeah, doily man. man. And I still hold that I love the Vanisher. I think he's he's a great he's he's a great supervillain. Um, I I don't know. I got a fondness for him. I don't know why. But uh, so so these supervillains in 1967 they have like the 1967 equivalent of Zoom, and are uh, you know are kind of piping in their their. Uh, uh, how how they feel about the X-Men. And the X-Men, of course, get tried in this, I don't even want to call it a kangaroo court. It's just kind of, you know, a bunch of guys that hate them already anyway, as uh, menaces, menace to, I don't want to say menace to humanity, but menace to mutant kind, right? Yep. Yep. Crimes against mutant kind. Yeah. And that's it. That's how the book ends. Yeah. How it, fun is that? It was definitely an odd odd sensation reading this i just didn't understand like i was very distracted by the changeling's costume why the fuck does he have a bicycle seat for a helmet yeah so yeah, dude serious raj and, and shane were you guys familiar with the changeling at all yeah i remember the costume but i don't remember it looking like a banana seat uh -huh. And then it's got the weird handlebars coming off of it. And then the whoops, I circumcised myself spike coming off of the back of the thing. And it's mm. just I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah, it, it had this weird like 1950s, early 60s sci-fi feel to it. So the changeling, I don't think has, well, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I, there must be a time that I've seen him without his, without his helmet. Obviously, there's a, a time when the Vanisher takes off his stupid costume and just runs around in black underwear. Um, but, but the Changeling must take off that dumb that dumb helmet at some point. Well, does it like help him in some manner? 
You know, I, I don't, honestly, I don't know. I, I figure it's a, probably some factor three communication device. It's uh, how he gets know. HBO for free. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone else notice that uh, he has those same three circles on the helmet that Banshee has on his like. That's the, yeah. Visor I, thing. At one point I thought they were screws or bolts. Yeah. But that's, that's the factor three logo. That's their insignia. Mm. I thought it, there was something more to it, like maybe it was a mind control device or I, something yeah, like could, that. I mean, it could be, but that is to signify that they're there with Factor Three, it and factor maybe three. we will discover in our next read that you know the Changeling is being controlled by Factor Three as well, just like Banshee was. Yeah. Part of Fox so. Force Five. Is this Changeling's first appearance? <laughs> it is change. Well, he was he had a cameo in the last issue, at the very end. Right. But yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So we don't know what he does yet or who he is. Uh, I mean, I'm just suggesting that I'm just supposing that, you know, with a name yeah. like Changeling, he can perhaps change shape. Probably. <laughs> He's everybody's <laughs> ride into town for bagel bites. That's right. Somebody's got to do it. I yeah. Mean... Someone's got bagel bites on the brain. <laughs> Shane, Shane, Shane needs to eat. <laughs> he needs they, a good restaurant is what he needs they refer to that as a callback roger so. oh, okay. <laughs> that's what that is and so the same same with mutant master this is i'm assuming his first appearance as well or yeah. whatever the hell the the leader of factor three who we yeah. don't really see i mean we kind of do we see kinda. him in the last issue yeah but we don't we don't really know what his deal is yet well, he he's a mutant master of magnetism. All right. I don't know. I'm just I throwing that up. <laughs> there was just so much weirdness in this issue. Like Bobby shooting little ice things into the air and then Gene levitating them and then they melt. I'm like, what? Well, that was to short out the, the uh, equipment, right? Mm -hmm. Right. I get that. But like how, I mean his ice up to this point has had no effect on anything. Like there's ice. That's why you melt it and make it water. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, ice isn't working for me. Let's turn it into water. Maybe that'll Let's help. melt it again. Mm -hmm. Did you guys notice on page 17, the ice man's face is yep. flesh tone, but his body yeah. is ice. Oh yeah. 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 I, I mean, I'm assuming that's a coloration issue. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, it, well, <laughs> so part it of me really it, wants to, part of me really wants to think that like his eye, his face is thought out. That's his actual face. <laughs> well, I'm just, Drew, is that what it looked like for you? Do you know? Um, I didn't notice it until you just said it, but that's what it looks like to me as well. Okay. Yeah. And it is just that one panel. Yeah. Cause I think in the next, the next panel they show him, he's completely iced over. So it yeah, must be yeah. just a screw up yeah and then and then you know stan is like for christ's sake who did the coloring uh, i don't know stan we never give them credit yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't bother to write their names down <laughs> we just give them a bag of peanuts and tell them to get the fuck out yeah <laughs> oh the unsung, some heroes. Bites. the unsung <laughs> heroes uh so um well yeah anything else to say on this particular issue you guys I think it's Iceman that tells the blob to go back to the circus. He calls him chubby. Go back to the circus, <laughs> chubby. 
He's fat shaming now? Yeah. Well, he did it once before. Like somebody called him chubby, you know, when he first showed up. Dude's got a thyroid problem. I think think he's just big bone. I think it was Shane who said said he was wearing a diaper. (laughs) And and part of what was interesting about it is like, you know, when the villains are talking and giving their spiel, it's the only time that there's any talking back, I think. And it's and it's this calling him a name, calling the the blob a name. Oh, I, okay. Along those lines, does anyone remember in this issue if anyone referred to Jean as a gal? Yeah. Oh, there's a bunch yeah. of that. Yeah, I mean, all the time. Notice those anymore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Angel does it all the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, still, still with that crap going on. They're Baby still, doll and Hank hasn't still called her female in a couple issues. But right. They haven't done her, that in a bit. Right. Somebody called her female recently. But yeah, someone guy. else did it, like Mall Man or something. Yeah, yeah. Somebody did it. Um. So Shane, Shane knows this, I'm sure, but the Blob in current, well, not current continuity, because he's there have been some issues with the X Men, but on in on Krakoa, the Blob has turned into like a real stand-up guy. And he was such a cool character. You know, he fell in love. He he got a job at the X-Men Tiki Bar serving drinks. Um, they don't call him Blob anymore. They just call him Fred. Yep. You know, he's one of the guys. He's really cool. I love his characterization. I love the development. Yeah, um, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Nature versus nurture right there. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, everybody loves him. Like, X-Men go and they want to talk shit. Like, you know, Wolverine wants to go and say, I don't know why she loves Scott. I don't know why. I don't know why she can't just love me. Why does she have to love us both? Why does why does Emma Frost have to be part of our group? Why why do we have four bedrooms? Oh, Polly Insecure. Yeah, exactly. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and Fred and Fred's like, I know, here, have another drink. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love him. Gotta love the blob. One of the things this thing made me wonder, I was kind of obsessed with the changeling's hat through most of this um, Mm -hmm. issue. And I wonder if he was like a rejected character creation for Fat Albert and the Cosby kids. Because that (laughs) hat absolutely looked like something that would have been on that cartoon. Oh, boy. So for all you younger listeners out there who don't know what that is, you're going to have to Google it. Yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) Before b- before Bill Cosby used to pill ladies, um, he had oh, no. a probably not. Are before. we sure about that? <laughs> yeah, no, no, not before. Yeah. He was he well, was doing it at that time. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh man! But and the other thing I I I thought as I read this was at one point the uh, changeling fires the Oblivio Ray to sap them of their wills. <laughs> and my first thought was he should have made them read this story up to this point and it would have sapped their will to live. Oh, the good old Oblivio Ray. <laughs> How I well, miss it. The one thing this issue did really well for me was set it up for me to want to read the next issue. Yes. But that's about yeah. all. That's about it. And you'll be just as disappointed. <laughs> Probably. But I'm I'm really curious to, to learn more about Mutant Master or whatever the hell his name is. Yeah, yeah. No, I really yeah, I yeah. really want to know what the hell up factor three. I mean, I actually know what the hell up factor three, but it still has me compelled. Like I want I want factor three. And I, I told you this before. I want factor three to turn out to be like a huge 
supervillain organization that continues on and the X-Men are having to deal with in the year 2023, you know? Um, but yeah, anyway. All right. Well, I guess that was it for this episode of House of X Book Club. Uh, I want to thank you all for being here. And Raj, thanks for coming in, man. Uh, we hey. were afraid that you weren't going to be in on this episode and it's really nice to have you yep last minute all right hooray well we'll catch you all next time excelsior Bye. bye bye bye